0: this is one of my favorite scripture texts of all time the passage from second corinthians and i was thrilled when the lectionary offered it up for this time that i am with you part of the reason it's one of my favorites is because it took it was paul's letter to the church at corinth and i have visited corinth And I had the privilege on the tour group that I was with that they asked me to read 1 Corinthians 13, standing before the Bema in Corinth, where Paul himself had spoken. It was a powerful moment for me. I'm not the most sentimental person that you would ever find, but I still am moved by such experiences, and I think you would be as well. To be there in Corinth and to stand before in that same place, walk in the same places that Paul had walked, see the little shop that they believe was Priscilla and Achilles, and to somehow know that across all those centuries, you and I are connected to that amazing story of healing and wholeness, of justice and peace, of hope for our world this text is interesting to me because in it, Paul is continuing to admonish the Corinthians. They'd been through some tough times, and they had come through those tough times, and part of what had been tough had been their relationship with Paul. He had had to write them a really hard letter, which we do not have a record of, but is referred to from time to time in 2 Corinthians. And when Someone has to write a group of people a hard letter. One holds one's breath. I've had to do it on occasion. And it's a part of Christian ministry, but it's a tough part. So I can imagine what was happening in Paul as he sent this new letter to the church at Corinth when he had received word that they indeed were reconciled to him. The blessing in his heart in that moment, and his sending this letter with those who worked with him. When we come to chapter 8, we come to a reminder to the Corinthians that they had made a commitment the year before, a pledge, if you will, to help the poor Christians of Jerusalem. Now, mind you, Corinth is in Greece. And Jerusalem is a long way away. One doesn't fly there in those centuries. One walks. It is a long way. And yet here are these relatively new Christians in Corinth whom Paul has invited to give to the needs of the saints in Jerusalem who were very needy at that particular time and he exhorts them to care and with this second letter he is reminding them of the commitment they had made the year before and of the desire that they fulfill that there are wonderful words in this text and i want to encourage you to read it at home as you go through this week now paul begins this section of second corinthians with a reference to Macedonia and to the churches of Macedonia. And I want to say a little bit about Macedonia because I, in my travel to Greece two years ago, had the opportunity to go into Macedonia up to the edge um, of what is now the country of Macedonia. And there I got to see the old, old ancient ruins The places of uh, Philip II and Alexander the Great. It was just amazing. Some of you have probably been there. But for me, the emphasis this morning is not on Philip and Alexander and the glories of the Macedonian Empire, which at its height stretched, I believe, from the Adriatic Sea all the way to Persia an amazing conquest by what is now a very tiny nation. At the time that Paul was writing this, the people the people of the churches of Macedonia were not only very very poor, but they were also under what he calls severe affliction. And I need you to hear that word for what it is. It really is a different Greek word. For the word persecution. These were Christians who were being. Hard persecuted. These were Christians who didn't have much. At all to themselves. And Paul. Speaks to the Corinthians. Who were much better off. And not under persecution in the same way. And says to them. The. Churches of Macedonia have united together to make an offering for the people of our churches in Jerusalem. And surely you will now fulfill the commitment that you have made. And he speaks of how their eagerness is an important part of their gift. That they aren't just giving it out of duty but they're giving it out of an eagerness to be one with the Christians of Jerusalem. I do encourage you to read the the scripture because it is a complicated passage, and it would be easy in simply listening to it to miss many of the nuances. Now, I'm sure you're all sitting there thinking, she's going to be preaching a sermon to us about our giving And it's true, and it's true, because this is a sermon that all Christians need to hear from time to time. But instead of talking to you about the money you put in your offering plate, I want to speak to you about something deeper than that, because the money that we put in our offering plates is really, really important to the future of the church and the future of the faith. And to care for all those people who are needier than we are, knowing that sometime we will have a need. All of that is true, but all of that is what we call transactional. It is as though you're somehow paying your dues. But in fact, I believe that what is buried in this scripture text is a desire of God that Paul makes known to the Corinthians a desire that we not simply be generous with our wallets and our money, but that we have this powerful generosity of soul, that we are so transformed by the love and grace of God, by the peace and ministry of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are so transformed that in the very soul of our beings, we are generous. It's very different, it seems to me. It's at the root of how we become generous with our wallets or our, um, our, our electronic giving or in whatever way we do our giving. It seems to me that what God wants of us is that we will be converted. Now, that's a word that we usually think of as applying only to those who don't know the grace of God, haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they come in as new Christians and they have been converted. But truth be told, don't we all need, at various times in our lives, to be converted again to the power of God? That is what I believe Paul was saying to those Corinthian Christians. Don't just give. Yes, give. But don't just give. Be of earnest desire. Be of a yearning To be a part of God's ministry in this world. Be so filled with the power of God that you can do no other. There are hints in this passage um, in Corinthians of a great old hymn from from Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read just a portion of that to you. In this great hymn, it's the first record of an ancient hymn of the Christian church. It says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it is that notion that, like Jesus, we are to empty ourselves. Like Jesus, we are to be generous of soul, generous to the point of giving Profoundly of ourselves. Over all my years of teaching and preaching, and you know, one of the things I want to say about us preachers is very often we are preaching to ourselves. We cannot really preach to you unless we are preaching to ourselves as well. And over all the years of my teaching and preaching and pastoring and leading, I have come to the conclusion, and it's probably not a final conclusion. I'm not dead yet. God is still speaking, as we say in the United Church of Christ. But I have concluded that the primary way in which Christians become in the image of Christ is through being generous of soul. That that generosity of soul reflects that ancient hymn of Jesus who was, had equality with God but didn't grasp it, didn't hold on to it, let go of it and gave so fully of himself that he transformed life for you and for me and for all people. You and I are called perhaps not to give up our lives but to give our lives. To be people who are so transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can do nothing other than live by that generosity of soul that makes us Christians and Christ-like. That we care so much for everyone in the world. Yes, everyone That that is an act of generosity in the name of Jesus Christ. And once we have been converted to know the power of God in in our lives. Once we have been, as the scripture says, born anew. All different meaning than some people use it but born anew in the spirit, then we are truly saved. We don't use that language a lot, do we? But it is, I believe, the conversion to generosity of our souls that saves us from all of the pain and suffering of the world because we participate In its healing. I believe this with all my heart. And I commend it to you. This day and every day. Amen.